Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. Another Fundamentals Friday. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Today, we're going to cover a little bit more of the macro situation, the the uh, global economic situation and how that is um, heating up right now. Of course, we will talk about Bitcoin and, and all of those things as well and touch on some news items. So lots to get to. Let me just say before I start, if you'd like to support the show, support this kind of content, support me building a community and um, offering value to the space, then I need your support. So go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. There's lots of different ways that you can support the show, including using my affiliates or joining Patreon, you know, dropping me a donation on PayPal or uh, with Bitcoin, of course. I know a lot of you are stern holders of your Bitcoin. Uh, this week, when this episode comes out, it's probably going to be too late to get this week's fundamentals report. But while you're on the website, sign up for the report. It's free every Friday. So um, today is going to be a really good one. Anyways, so let's get on with the show. Let's hit price first. So Bitstamp, let's see, where were we last week? What was last week's date? The 15th. So we're above where we were last week. Um, didn't quite get to the 4,100 mark, but we did pass 4,000 and we stayed up above there for a couple days. Right now we're at 3,994 on Bitstamp. We did have a, a pretty big sell-off and I'm not sure if that is completed yet, but we did come down and touch the top of the last formation. So um, as we're, we're kind of stair-stepping our way up here in price, at least getting towards um, this, the resistance above us. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we have steep, fast, impulsive moves higher. And then sometimes we do this stair-step fashion higher. And on the way down as well, of course. Like if you look at back uh, at the beginning of the year in January, we were doing a stair-step down. And now we're kind of doing a stair step up. But so the the high that was from, let's see, when was that? March 9th, we bounced off that. So that's like the top of the last stair step. And then yesterday when we wicked down there, we touched that and we bounced off of it. So um, there's multiple trend lines, multiple um, moving averages that are both above and below us. We're kind of sandwiched and pinched in between this, both of these zones. Now, if you want to see my chart, you got to sign up for the report because obviously this is an audio show. So sign up for the report and you can see that. Um, my kind of longer term vision, I think that might have been this uh, more of a topish, the area that I was looking for. And then uh, I am calling for one more uh, semi leg down not very far down. I think, you know, we'll probably stay above 3,500, but uh, by April, mid-April, second week maybe of April, I I'm looking for another kind of bottom and then pushing up from there because that will be roughly a year to the halvening. And it kind of mirrors some of the past uh, bear market cycles that we've seen. I'm, I am looking for this one more kind of leg down. But who knows? Who knows what can happen? It could jump up to 4,400, hit some resistance and come back down. I know of people that are looking at the cloud, like Carpe Noctum, uh, he 
is calling for 4,800, which would be interesting. I mean, I think we'd need an impulsive move up there to tap this, uh, the top of the cloud. And then we'd probably come down after that. So my price target for the halvening, uh, my price target out to the halvening. So a year from now is double the bottom. And that doesn't sound very like, uh, in, in Bitcoin terminology, that doesn't sound very, uh, impressive, right? If we just go up, uh, to 6,000, but, um, you know, that's a hundred percent return f from buying a year earlier. So, I mean, if you bought right now and you held till 6,000, that's, that's a pretty damn good return, especially when we're talking about some of these, we're in this environment of, um, uh, you know, the global economy right now, which I will talk about in a few minutes. All right, let's hit a few more fundamentals. So let's talk about sentiment. This is longs versus shorts, specifically on Bitfinex. And so what they do is they publish how, how many contracts they have long and short. Okay. And uh, right now, the longs have kind of taken over a little bit. So it, last week during the show, it was the reverse. The shorts had were the shorts were dominating, uh, or at least the trend towards shorts was dominating, and we bottomed out right at even. And now over the last couple of days, we've had longs dominating. So the ratio is back up to one point two two. So twenty percent more longs than shorts right now. But the total sum really hasn't moved much. Um, just from last week, we're looking at about 42,000 total contracts, and now it's about 45,000 total contracts. So nothing significant um, overall on the sum of interest out there, but it's slightly leaning a little bit more bearish. And it's not getting to the point where, you know, like if we have a big spike in shorts, then you can say, oh man, we're close to the bottom because most people will, uh, they'll sell the bottom, right? And they'll buy the tops. So if we had this, uh, a large spike, a large change in longs or shorts, um, I would say that signifies more of a reversal. But if we are just trending slightly in another direction, I think that kind of, uh, symbolizes more of true sentiment out there. Okay. And so the true sentiment out there is now swinging back bullish. What I do not see, of course, is a huge sell-off. So as we touch some of these um, resistance lines and we touch some of these support lines, I'm not seeing any like major break to the downside. There is absolutely nothing in the market that is signaling anything like a major sell-off. Um, so of course, that's when it can come and bite you, but I'm putting that at like a 5% chance of any sort of major sell-off. And a major rally, I would put about a 10%. So everything else is going to be sideways. And if you've been listening to this show for, <laughs> for how long, I'm calling it sideways. And maybe people laugh at me for saying this, but look, if you take two weeks out when we dropped from 6,000 down to 3,000, you take those two weeks out, supply is equal demand. And I know that Demand should be higher when you come down in price, but for Veblen Giffen Good, it's the opposite, right? Demand actually goes down as price goes down. So we've reached some equilibrium here, consolidation. So anyways, uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing on sentiment. Futures, um, 
nothing really to report here. Uh, it's it's kind of um, gone a little bit more into a discount, but not badly. The June contracts are at, what is this? About a $30 discount, which in the grand scheme of things is not that big. Of course, uh, here I'll put in some news from the CBOE. So the CBOE has stopped their contracts uh, or their, their futures trading, um, but they are I think going to tweak them and bring them back. So remember, uh, CME futures, the, each contract is five Bitcoins, the equivalent cash value of that. On CBOE, it was one Bitcoin. So it was a much smaller contract. I think it had, they, they thought maybe more retail people might come in. Maybe that's what they were thinking, but they were really having trouble um, attracting more volume where CME seemed to attract more volume on, on, on their contract, um, uh, specifics. So yeah, uh, CBOE is supposed to be tweaking this and bringing back their futures. Um, I think that's a good thing, right? Uh, they're going to find the best product market fit for these futures, what serves people the best. Um, and it looks like CME had the proper, um, formula from the beginning and you know maybe cboe comes back and some more volume comes that way and then future cme contracts might switch i don't know but you know they're there this is such a new space it's such a new product uh at least the physical bitcoin itself so um it's going to take a little while for these guys to figure out exactly what the market wants stuff like that anyways so nothing uh, else significant to report for futures all right, let's go to, I'm going to go to mining first. So I'm pulling up this, uh, this hash rate chart and I use the Bitcoin wisdom one. I've used it for four years or so. Um, on this chart, I like it because it has different all in one chart. It has different averages for you. So the shorter term average that they have on this chart is, um, over 504 blocks. They take the average hash rate and then, um, over the next, they have another line for, a thousand and another line for 2000. And then they have a difficulty line in there. So what we can see here over the last few days, I've been tweeting about this. If you guys follow BTC MRKTS over the last few days, we've seen a significant increase in the hash rate. So if you're, if you've listened to the show before, I was talking about these like 10 to 15% swings that we we're seeing in hash rate. That's kind of subsided a little bit more. So in about a day from now, the difficulty is supposed to jump by five and a half percent. You know, maybe the miners that, you know, they're exposed to different demand out there. So maybe they're seeing um, demand pick up. And so they're they're increasing their hash rate or something like that. Uh, we're, we're not sure. But it has the hash rate has increased, even though the price has only gone up, say, five percent the hash rate's gone up 15%. Anyway, that's all for mining. All right, let's hit some news items. So, well, let me let me cover the the crypto news items first. So, Lightning Loop came out, and this is a pretty big deal actually. Um I'm going to read this off of Bitcoin Magazine. They're a Bitcoin maximalist publication, by the way. So, Bitcoin Max uh, Magazine, Litecoin Labs the development team working to grow the Lightning Network just released the alpha version of a new protocol called Lightning Loop. Lightning Loop is designed to give users the ability to deposit and withdraw Bitcoin from their payment channels, 
the two-way payment gateways that allow users to send and receive funds to and from each other without closing these channels entirely. Quote, lightning channels are like tubes of money. The more you send, the more you can receive, and the other way around, according to a blog post written by Lightning Lab's Alex Bosworth uh, and Brian Vu. Quote, money moves around in the tube, but the total amount of funds remains constant. So unlike other payment systems, Lightning requires inbound capacity in order to receive funds. So does that make sense? The um, You send money out and you can receive that money back. But uh, to receive more than you send out, there has to be a solution there. Anyway, that's that's what they're talking about. With Loopout, a Lightning Network user will be able to empty a channel once it has reached its full capacity. Instead of having to close this channel entirely and set up a new one, they can send a portion of these funds to an on-chain wallet instead. The blog post also noted that this protocol will also make it easier for first-time users to fund their Lightning wallets to begin receiving payments. Further, when a user joins the Lightning Network, they can use Loopout to get initial receiving capacity as well. As a result, new recipients on the network no longer need to rely on others to open channels with them before they are able to start receiving payments, Bosworth and Vu wrote. Lightning Labs is also working on a feature to work in the reverse, rightly dubbed Loop In. This would allow users to refund their payment channels when they become low on Bitcoin capacity. So bottom line here, the vision of Lightning Loop is to allow users to securely move funds in and out of the Lightning Network using non-custodial Bitcoin contracts. With Loop, users, businesses, and routing node operators are able to keep Lightning channels open indefinitely, making the network more efficient, more stable, and cheaper to use. Okay, so this is cool, this new Lightning Loop, but what I want to point out here is that we didn't see this last year when people were talking about, um, you know, they're being critical of the Lightning Network. Maybe some experts saw stuff like this, right? But this is new. This is new and we can't see the innovation clearly because if we could, we would do it ourselves, right? (laughs) But that's like this, the entrepreneur thing and all this stuff. People are like, well, I'm predicting this for the market and that for the market. Well, nobody can see the market clearly because if they could, they would be the entrepreneur themselves. (laughs) The, The people that can see it clearly, they're risking And maybe they fail nine out of 10 times, but they're right once, very, very right once. Um, Yeah, you can't see the future, but that's the role of the entrepreneur, okay? Anyway, similar in this this, uh, code development, you can't necessarily see out of left field where something new is going to happen, but you know it probably is, right? And so we can't necessarily see how lightning is going to look in five years, but we know it's going to be better. We know it's going to meet demand. When you have a a demand there for cheap payments, cheap retail payments, say, somebody is going to create something to meet that demand. They can't do that on Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin has these consensus rules that limit the way you can change the layer one. All right. But layer two is different. They don't have these consensus rules. So you can innovate. You can add these things and uh, at a much, much faster pace. 
Anyway, that's all I got to say about that news topic. Let's see what else. Uh, Bitcoin centric. Oh, okay. So there's this story or this um, this tweet from Kane Island Crypto. I linked to it in the show notes. But they are they published something. This uh, table showing top exchanges and their top pairs. Um, how much that volume is phony. Okay, and uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. I also link in the report uh, a Google Doc that has more information. But uh, it looks like about 75% of global volume in this space is fake. Anyway, so I link, I check it out, check out the link in the show notes because it's, it's pretty interesting. Now, the top pairs are all Bitcoin versus USD or USDT. There's a couple Ethereum pair. There's one Ethereum pair and one like Litecoin pair, I think. Um, but that's just because most of the liquidity is on Bitcoin. Okay, so I have another, along the same lines, we're going to talk about this Medium article. I just, did he post it today? Yeah, it's just from today. And I just read it a couple hours ago. It's really, really good. It's by John Paul Torson. I butchered that last name, I'm sure. It's JP Thor underscore underscore on Twitter. Um, anyway, he was looking at some recent tweets and, and recent talk about the Bitcoin dominance index. And if you guys are new, basically what that is, is market caps. So they take all of the market caps of all of the quote unquote cryptocurrencies, they add them up, and then they take Bitcoin's share of that, right? It, Bitcoin started at 95% and it's been trending down, um, down to right now it's right around 50%. And this is an argument that the altcoin shills and the money printing scammers what they use to pump their coin right like all i really need if i have a billion dollar or a billion um, coins in my altcoin and i have very low volume on the exchanges but i can sell them for a dollar a piece all of a sudden you know i have a billion dollar market cap and coin market cap has over two thousand altcoins so you know, they just keep coming out and they have these scammers are pumping these coins and that, that's what we're supposed to rate Bitcoin against. So it's a very, very flawed measure. And I've talked about this many times. So what he does is he's like, his intuition is telling him that it, it's got to be some sort of Pareto distribution. A lot of maximal, Bitcoin maximalists have gone towards this idea of Pareto distribution. So Bitcoin would have 80% and then the rest of them would split the 20% um, in a nice smooth curve of the total value out there. I don't buy that. I'm in the camp where Bitcoin is going to have near 99% dominance, for, at least for value transfer on the internet. Anyways, what he does is he's like, well, let's take volume into account. Market cap times volume. And that comes out on a log chart that comes out to be a really nice Pareto distribution. So now he's coining this term volume weighted cap. And I like it a lot. Like I said, I just read it a couple hours ago, and, and so far I'm liking it a lot. So we'll see how this grows on me. But I included a couple charts in the report this week, and I'll link to this uh, Medium post in the show notes. But bottom line, what he's saying is the Bitcoin volume-weighted dominance is trending up. And so let's see. For the last year, it started about, looks like about 80%, and it's up to about 85%. 
All right, let's get on to the main kind of topic that's been taking a lot of my attention over the last probably 48 hours, I would say, since the Fed talked on Wednesday. Um, the yield curve has inverted. And a lot of, and what that means is that uh, you get paid more interest on your money short term than long term. So uh, right now, right now, at least when I wrote these show notes, it was uh, the you would get paid more to lend your money to the government for one month than to lend your money to the government for 10 years. Let that sink in. So this inversion has been building over the last couple months. It was very short term, like a difference between one month and three months that it was inverted. But now it's out to 10 years. And that's a huge, huge deal. I don't know how many times in the history of the United States this has happened, but it's not very many, if at all. Maybe some of the shorter term, like a five year could have been inverted, but out to the 10 year, this is, I think it's uncharted territory. Anyway, so that is huge news. And that comes on the back of uh, Chairman Powell saying they're not planning on raising rates again this year. That comes just two weeks after Mario Draghi of the ECB saying that he's not planning on raising rates until after the end of the year. Now, when you think about those two statements, and you also consider that central bankers are never right, and they never see like a recession coming, we must already be in recession, and we must be headed for a major recession if they're seeing this. If they are already not raising rates, and probably going to cut rates, like I haven't looked at the percentages in the last couple of days, but some people are already predicting rate cuts by the end of the year. So they've postponed the increases and people are leaning towards rate cuts already. We're in recession right now and it's quick. It's speeding up. So that is a huge, huge development. Other, other items that are going on around the world. So Russia continues to add to their, their gold reserves. They bought another 31 tons in February. And if you look at their gold reserves, it's like a straight line to the top right. Of course, China is increasing their reserves. And just recently, India, which has the, I think it's the highest like per capita gold ownership in the world. Uh, India's government or central bank has started to also increase their gold reserves. Um, the, the global economy is in worse shape than many of the headlines will let you let on another another couple uh statistics here the eurozone growth growth rate um was only 0.2 percent in the first quarter italy was already in recession these things are picking up we have riots continuing in france and uh, we still have the trade wars going on with the u.s and china with no end in sight we have the two uh, central banks biggest central banks saying uh you know they're delaying any increase in their interest rates so i think we're already in recession if you used real numbers and these guys are starting to see it right so that that tells me they're i know they're already they're always behind the curve so we're already in recession That's all for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin Markets. Support the show. Bitcoinmarkets.com forward slash support. 
Sign up for the report. It's free weekly market analysis in your inbox. That's it. See you next time. Peace.